morning, King's Church. Um, gosh, I forgot which town I live in. King's Church, Cockermouth. It's great to be with you again. Great to see you again. And my name is Chris Robbins. And it's my privilege to look at the Word of God with you this morning. So if you have your Bibles to hand, we're going to be looking at Acts chapter 9. And we're going to be reading 18 verses, Acts chapter 9, verses 1 to 18. It will come up on the screen, uh, but you may, uh, I read from the ESV, but you may um, read from another version, whichever you, whichever you choose. <clears throat> while you, excuse me, while you're looking that up, um, there are some choruses we sing, and one of them, uh, which is a Hillsong song, um, has the lyrics as follows. Everyone needs forgiveness. The kindness of a saviour. He can move the mountains. My God is mighty to save, forever author of salvation. You may remember that song, you may be humming it in your mind now. But when I first heard that song, I thought, move the mountains? What a strange lyric to write. My God can he can move the mountains. Why do you want to move the mountains? I mean, they're glorious where they are. Fancy writing that. Initially, you can think, well, I don't really understand. But as you continue to sing that song and look at the other lyrics, it becomes apparent that the songwriter is referring to moving objects as big as mountains in order for salvation to happen. And I'm sure we all know folk who are disinterested, not concerned, or even opposed to the Christian faith. Even just to mention the name of Jesus can be an offence, unless, of course, you're using it in a blasphemous, blasphemous fashion. And I'm sure we all have many folk like that on our prayer lists, praying that one day they will come to know Jesus. Well, today we're going to look at a story in the Bible, in Acts chapter 9, about such a person. A person who vehemently opposed the Christian message. Vehemently. And his name is Saul. We have seen recently, looking at uh, chap, uh, for previous chap chapters in, uh, in Acts, um, how Saul was ravaging the church. And as, and as a result, there was a scattering of Christians going to the north, going to the south. Saul was a man feared by Christians. In fact, if anybody needed forgiveness, it was Saul. The salvation of Saul would be clearly a mighty work of God. That lyric would come into his own. He can move the mountains, even for Saul to become a Christian man. Let's read together the great account of Saul's <clears throat> encounter with Jesus. Acts chapter 9, verses 1 to 19. But Saul, still breathing threats and murder against the disciples of the Lord, don't forget, this is scripture reading. 
This is scripture. This isn't some novel. This is scripture. Breathing threats and murder against the disciples of the Lord. Went to the high priest and asked him for letters to the synagogues at Damascus, so that if he found any belonging to the way, and that is the one of the terms used for the early church or the early disciples, um, if he found anybody belonging to the way, men or women, he might bring them bound, tied up, tied up, handcuffed and all the rest of it, bound to Jerusalem. You, I mean, you can understand why the early disciples lived in fear of this man's soul. Now, as he went on his way, he approached Damascus and suddenly a light a light from heaven shone around him. <laughs> they would have walked during the day. It's a sunny country. A light from heaven shone around him. Just, just, just for a moment, just imagine what that would be like. A light from heaven shining around you. And falling to the ground... He heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And Saul said, Who are you, Lord? And he answered, I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting. But rise and enter the city and you will be told what you are to do. Now the men who were travelling with him stood speechless, hearing a voice but seeing no one. And Saul rose from the ground, and although his eyes were opened, he saw nothing. So they led him by the hand and brought him into Damascus. And for three days he was without sight, and neither ate nor drank. Now there was a disciple at Damascus named Ananias and the Lord said to him in a vision, Ananias, and he said, here I am, Lord. And the Lord said to him, rise, go to the street called Straight and at the house of Judas, look for a man of Tarsus named Saul. For behold, he is praying. And he has seen in a vision a man named Ananias come in and lay hands on him so that, he, so that he might regain his sight. But Ananias answered, Lord, I have heard from many about this man, how much evil he has done to your saints at Jerusalem. And here he has the authority from the chief priests to bind all who call on your name. But the Lord said to him, go, for he is a chosen instrument of mine. Let me repeat that. He is a chosen instrument of mine to carry my name before the Gentiles and kings and the children of Israel. For I will show him how much he must suffer for the sake of my name. So Ananias departed and entered the house and laying hands on him, he said, Brother Saul, 
The Lord Jesus, who appeared to you on the road by which you came, has sent me so that you may regain your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. And immediately something like scales fell from his eyes and he regained his sight. He rose and was baptised and taking food, he was strengthened. Let's pray together. Father, Father, we thank you for this amazing, amazing piece of scripture that we've just read together. And I pray, Holy Spirit, teach us this morning, teach our minds, teach our hearts more of you, Lord. Father, be with us. Thank you, Father. Amen. Many commentators call this passage the conversion of the chief of sinners. That could be a suggested title, but let's look at some of the detail here. Saul was a man totally, totally opposed to Jesus and the resurrection and the Holy Spirit. He wasn't just threatening Christians, he was breathing threats and murderous thoughts. It was, it was as though persecution was in the air he breathed. This was not a minor peripheral thing in Saul's life. It was going to the core of this man, this Pharisee. He hated the Christians. He hated, totally hated and was opposed to the Christian message of salvation by faith. All of Saul's works in keeping of the law, all his boasting was going to mean nothing. And that riled Saul. How dare you, Christians? How dare you come across this? So Paul was breathing threats and murder against Christians. He was even taking his persecution 150 miles to the north, up to Damascus, with the authority of the high priest, with the letters saying, yes, anybody that's found who is part of the way, bound them, bring them back to Jerusalem for punishment. Dreadful. And while Saul was on the road to Damascus, this encounter with Jesus was sudden, unexpected. There was no preparation beforehand. It wasn't that Saul had been on his knees appealing for forgiveness, appealing to God for mercy. No, he wasn't recognising his wretchedness. No, nothing like that. In fact, he was on the way to capture even more disciples and bring them back for punishment. So this encounter with Jesus, you could say, came completely out of the blue. I became a Christian in 1986, 35 years ago, <laughs> seems a long time. I was living in the south of England. I was working in the Ritz Hotel in London. And on one Sunday afternoon, uh, there was a knock on my front door and I opened the door and I had a big uh, driveway, big circular driveway with gravel and very nice. And there was a group of young people there actually playing guitars on my driveway, singing songs. 
and there was one person standing by the door and he introduced himself and uh, he asked me a few questions. He first of all said, do I go to church? <laughs> I said, do I go to church? I go to church every Christmas and every Easter Sunday morning. Yes, I do go to church. He said, do you read the Bible? I said, of course, I, I've looked at it. I've been to school. We had scripture lessons at school or RE lessons, as it was called then. So he said, are you a Christian, sir? I said, well, I'm British. I mean, I can't believe I said these things, but I did. Yeah, I said, well, I'm, I'm British. I'm brought up in the church. Said, of course, I'm a Christian. But nonetheless, he gave me this little leaflet. And it had the name of the church and the address where it met. It met and actually it met in the back of a pub. It was a hall at the back of a pub in, in the town of Sevenoaks, not far from where I lived. And I came in and shut the door and they all left the driveway. And I came in and I could not stop reading this little leaflet. I was reading it from cover to cover. It was only a single piece of paper folded in with two, two folds. Just a very simple leaflet saying... It's, this is a group of, this is who we are, a group of Christians. We preach the word in a modern way. We sing songs that, are, uh, you know, kind of modern type of songs. And um, we're all, we're Christians. And I read this leaflet and I thought, now this, bearing in mind this was a Sunday afternoon, I thought I've got to wait a whole week before I can go. I was that desperate to go. In fact, the following Saturday, I went to check where it exactly was. Although I used to do my grocery shopping in the town every Saturday, so, you know, I, I knew where it was, but I wanted to just make sure. And on the Sunday, I got there early and uh, went in, and it was all a bit strange. Uh, but anyway, I sat through the, the meeting, and then um, I was out like a ferret at the end of it. Whew, I couldn't get out quick enough. But during that following week, I bought a Bible. And I went back that following Sunday. And uh, there was a visiting evangelist. His name was Mr. Daniel Cousins. I don't know if he's still around or not, but he was the visiting evangelist. I had no idea what an evangelist was. But anyway, there was his visiting speaker. And I can't really remember what he was talking about. I remember during the, the, the worship time, I found that the words up on the screen were too difficult to not only sing, but too difficult to actually read. They were just too powerful. So I was looking away. I might have got a little bit teary. And uh, anyway, this man got up and spoke. I can't really remember what he was saying. But at the end, he said, to, I suppose it was about 100, 100 people there, 150 people there, I don't know. He said, there's two men in this hall that want to stand up and give their lives to Jesus this morning. So please, would those two men stand up? And I looked around and I thought, everybody shrunk. And then I realised that I had stood. And I thought, oh my goodness, I've stood up. And then, without any kind of warning, there was this kind of, I felt this tremendous heat. It's almost like a big fan heater above me this heat permeating through me. I thought, well, good gracious, what is happening to me? And the first person or one of the first people I met <laughs> was Roger Bai. 
So, so that's how long I've known Roger by. 35 years, good heavens. Was there any preparation? Was there any calling out to God for forgiveness or mercy? No, not really. No, I hadn't. There was no build up to this Sunday. Somebody just knocked on my door out of the blue. What I was doing, though, I was coming home from work from the Ritz Hotel, sitting in my kitchen and my little chair, having my supper, thinking, is this all there is? Is this it? Is this it? Getting, you know, is, it, is this my life? I wasn't opposed to God, not at all. In fact, I would, you know, I would uh, not have any comment, really. All I'd did was just catch the 7.25 from 7 nights to Charing Cross every morning, day in, day out. A little like Patrick was saying last week, I was also confirmed in the Church of England. Uh, my confirmation came uh, when I was at boarding school on the Isle of Wight, and I was about 14, 15 at the time. And my outstanding memory of this occasion was that the school being on the Isle of Wight the Bishop of Portsmouth had to come over on the ferry, and I always imagined that he'd be st standing in the on the bow of the ferry with his cape and his mitre coming across to um, to to confirm a dozen or so young boys at a boarding school in the middle of the Isle of Wight. He probably came and changed in the in the school, you know, headmaster study, I'm sure. But, and also what I do remember about that occasion was being one of the boys being, um, being baptized, being um, uh, confirmed, we were told not to wear brill cream in our hair that day because the Archbishop did not want to have, or the Bishop rather, not Archbishop, the Bishop of Portland did not want to have greasy hands at the end of the meeting. So that's what I remember. What happened to, to Saul was sudden and utterly unexpected. And that means the same can happen for others. If you are praying for folk who are totally opposed to the gospel or disinterested in the gospel or have no concern in the gospel, keep on, keep on praying for them. Keep speaking the truth in love. You never know when God's going to do a mighty work. You never know when God's going to move a mountain. Sovereign work of God. Paul, or Saul, as is known here, hears a voice. And the voice was saying, why are you persecuting me? And Saul's reply was, who are you, Lord? Who are you? Are you really the Jesus that I that I have no no belief in at all? Are you really the Jesus who was crucified? The Jesus who uh, was resurrected? Are you really the Jesus? You were crucified. You were buried. Jesus introduced himself and gave him a command. The men who were travelling with Saul heard a voice 
and saw Saul fall to the ground. And then they helped him and they led him into the city of Damascus to the road called Straight. And it's still there today, apparently. It runs from the east to the west of the city. And Saul had lost his sight and was now walking in complete darkness. A spiritual darkness. Now we know it's for three days. He didn't know it was for three days. He had no idea it was going to be three days. He just knew he could not see. All he knew was that he was blind and he was told to go to the city and wait. For how long? He didn't know. You see, often when God tells us something, we want it straight away. We want it now. Okay, God's told me, let's go now. We don't know. Time is in his hands. We get impatient. Paul, there, he was on his knees praying, because it said, pray, for three days. No food, no water. Blind, spiritual blindness. He must have been saying to himself, what has happened to me? What has happened to me? Now, the other character in this amazing story is a disciple called Ananias. Don't confuse this Ananias with the man who was, had a wife called Sophia. That's a different Ananias. This Ananias is a disciple living in Damascus. And the Lord spoke to him in a vision. Was he a prophetic man? Was, did he often get visions? We don't know. What we do know, however, is that he was ready and willing to answer the call. And what a call. Because the Lord said to him, rise, we can assume that he was asleep. He was lying down. God woke him and gave him a vision. Does God wake you in the night? Does God wake you in the night? We heard last week he woke Brenton in the night. Brenton got up and came down and got his Bible and started reading scriptures. Does God wake you in the night? And the instruction for Ananias was go to a street, uh, a street called Straight. And you will find the most evil man of the day there. Yes, that's right. You'll find, you're going to find a man who breathes threats and murder against people like you. Go and find the most feared man in the world. And Ananias had heard that Saul had the authority. So news must have travelled fast that Saul was coming with the authority, with the papers in his hands. From the high priest, hey, you're a Christian. You're going to come back to Jerusalem. Be punished. And Ananias had heard that. And Jesus said that to Ananias, that this man Saul is a chosen instrument of mine. Let's just stop there for a moment. A chosen instrument. Now, you may not be Saul. I am not Saul. 
You may not have breathed threats and murders against others, but you are, we all are, Jesus's chosen instruments. Do you know that? Do you know that you have been chosen for a purpose? For Saul, the purpose was to carry the message before kings, etc. We are all called for and chosen for God's purposes. Salvation is individual. Now you may have been, you may have got saved at a, a huge rally or a huge uh, conference at New Day or Stonely or one of these great big conferences and went forward with maybe hundreds of others, went forward for salvation. But when you got to the front, you were on your own. Yes, there were stacks of people around you, but you were on your own. Salvation is individual. Salvation is personal. It's between you and the Lord. It's so important to remember that. When the Holy Spirit falls upon you, it falls upon you. Chosen, elected, predestined, cherished, valued desired, loved. We all have our story. We are all unique and we are called. He calls us by name. You see, Jesus called Saul before Saul knew he was called by Jesus. That's the way it is. I was sitting in that little chair in my kitchen just outside Seven Oaks in that little village thinking, is this all there is to life? And that group of youngsters stood on my drive and gave me that little leaflet. Jesus was calling me before I even knew Jesus at all. I had no interest in Jesus at all. Jesus called Saul before Saul knew he was called by Jesus. Amazing. Let that truth, let that truth rest upon us. So Ananias, he went with fear, trembling, unknown, unfamiliar circumstances, with a possibility that things could go wrong. But with the guidance of Jesus, Ananias went to find Saul. Actually, the scriptures don't use the word went. They read Ananias departed and entered. A little bit different from just went. No, he departed. I suspect he spent a little time praying. I suspect he sent some time before the Lord saying, Lord, is this really you? Are you asking me to go to the most feared man of the day? He departed. He would have made preparations. He perhaps would have spoken to somebody. He perhaps, I don't know, but not just a matter of just walking out there or went. No, he would, he would, internally in his mind be preparing 
fearfully preparing. Maybe looking for confirmation that God had given him this vision. And when he got to the street called Straight, perhaps he had to ask somebody, where, where is the house where Judas lives? Because there's a man there and uh, a man from Tarsus, and I've been told to come and find him. And I can imagine some guys would have said, you don't want to go in there, mate. That's the last place you want to go there. And Saul, uh, Ananias, Perhaps when he found the door, found the entrance to this house, before he knocked on the wooden door, there would have been a moment of maybe a little bit of hesitation. Oh my goodness. Dare I, dare I knock on this door? Dare I enter into this house? But he entered. No doubt this was the most terrifying moment of Ananias' life. The most terrifying seconds as he stood in front of this door. But the scripture said he departed and he entered. You see, Jesus comes from behind us. He comes alongside us. He goes ahead of us. In Matthew Chapter 28, verse 20, we read, I am with you, this is Jesus' words, I am with you always. I am behind you, I am beside you, I am ahead of you. Whatever you are facing at the moment, whatever door Jesus is asking you to go through and at the moment, remember, is walking through that door with you. And as promised, Ananias found Saul in the state that Jesus had told him in the vision. And he said to Saul that Jesus had, to, had appeared to him and he was uh, here to lay hands on him and regain sight and to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Didn't worry about broad cream in his hair or what he was wearing or what he was doing. They lay hands on this most evil man, but lay hands on this man who was a chosen instrument of Jesus. Actually, what a privilege for Ananias, having entered in and seen exactly the scene that Jesus had described to Ananias in that vision. And Ananias had been called. The purpose was to lay hands upon this man. For his eyes to the, it says scale, it appeared like scales, something like scales fell from his eyes and the light came. Darkness disappeared, the, the true light came. Our God, he can move the mountains. He is mighty to save. Out of darkness into his glorious light. What a powerful sign God gave to Paul of the actual spiritual darkness he was living in.
And in the last few verses, we read that port that Saul was baptised. Where the water was, we don't know, but it says he was baptised and then he took food and drink. As we heard last week, Patrick was speaking about the Ethiopian eunuch and how he met Philip. And uh, the eunuch said, what prevents me from being baptised? Nothing here in this story prevented Saul from being baptised. And as a chosen instrument, at the beginning of his walk with God, with Jesus, Saul was baptised. Had Saul carried the Lord's name before the Gentiles and the kings of the children of Israel at this stage? No. It wasn't that, well, I, I'll do that first and I get baptised and I know I'm worthy of baptism. No, no. No, you're baptised first. The first thing he did was to be baptised. Two characters, Saul, the chief of sinners, and Ananias, the man who was obedient to Jesus. What a story. What a story. Read it again this week. Just think about the story. Just almost like be the, the cameraman into the scene. Just go into the scene and see this story. Let the Holy Spirit enlighten and bring things out in this story. Far more than I brought out. There's so much detail. Allow the Holy Spirit to teach you that, that, that however bad we are, we were, forgiveness can come. The mighty sovereign, sovereignty of God, and yet the responsibility of man in Ananias. God's sovereignty, man's responsibility. It's great to be with you today. As I finish, there's going to be some uh, words come up on the screen, some just things to, just for you to read. There'll be some music, there'll be a nice picture. Just read these words just for a moment or two and just allow the Holy Spirit to speak to you. God bless you and uh, see you again soon. Mm -hmm.